Good morning. The reading this morning is taken from Genesis chapter 49, and I'll be reading verses 1 to 28. Then Jacob called for his sons and said, Gather around so I can tell you what will happen to you in days to come. Assemble and listen, sons of Jacob. Listen to your father, Israel. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, the first sign of my strength, excelling in honor, excelling in power. Turbulent as the waters, you will no longer excel, for you went up onto your father's bed, onto my couch, and defiled it. Simeon and Levi are brothers, their swords are weapons of violence. Let me not enter their council, let me not join their assembly, for they have killed men in their anger and hamstrung oxen as they pleased. Cursed be their anger so fierce and their fury so cruel. I will scatter them in Jacob and disperse them in Israel." Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. You are a lion's cub, Judah. You return from the prey, my son. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down. Like a lioness, who dares to rouse him? The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nations shall be his. He will tether his donkey to a vine, his colt to the choicest branch. He will wash his garments in wine, his robes in the blood of grapes. His eyes will be darker than wine, his teeth whiter than milk. Zebulun will live by the seashore and become a haven for ships. His border will extend towards Sidon. Issachar is a raw-boned donkey lying down among the sheep pens. When he sees how good is his resting place and how pleasant is his land, he will bend his shoulder to the burden and submit to forced labor. Dan will provide justice for his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan will be a snake by the roadside, a viper along the path that bites the horse's heels so that its rider tumbles backwards. I look for your deliverance, Lord. Gad will be attacked by a band of raiders, but he will attack them at their heels. Asher's food will be rich. He will provide delicacies fit for a king. Naphtali is a doe set free that bears beautiful fawns. Joseph is a fruitful vine, a fruitful vine near a spring whose branches climb over a wall. With bitterness, archers attacked him. They shot at him with hostility 
but his bow remained steady, his strong arm stayed limber because of the hand of the mighty one of Jacob, because of the shepherd, the rock of Israel, because of your father's God who helps you, because of the almighty who blesses you with blessings of the skies above, blessings of the deep springs below, blessings of the breast and womb. Your father's blessings are greater than the blessings of the ancient mountains, than the bounty of the age-old hills. Let all these rest on the head of Joseph, on the brow of the prince among his brothers. Benjamin is a ravenous wolf, in the morning he devours the prey, in the evening he divides the plunder. All these are the twelve tribes of Israel, and this is what their father said to them when he blessed them, giving each the blessing appropriate to him. This is the word of God. All sitting there anxious, waiting to see what I'm going to do with that, hey? <laughs> exactly what I thought too. <laughs> I, uh, I just want to ask that you would indulge me for just a minute. Um, I want to acknowledge what a marvellous service it's been so far. The music team and Joel have led us extremely well this morning and uh, the Spirit of the Lord is with us, I say. So I want to take a moment to pray for this man and his wife because the burden of pastoral care is on his shoulders, well and true. So if you forgive me, mate, I'm going to pray for you and your wife. Gracious God, as I come to the time in our service when we listen to your word, my mind is very conscious of Joel and Bron right now. Lord, the pastoral charge of this congregation is well and truly sitting on their shoulders. So I ask, Lord, in this moment that your spirit of grace and peace would descend upon both Joel and Bron and, the, and their families. I pray, Lord, that uh, in the coming hours as Joel makes contact with Nia, that you would give him words of wisdom, of comfort, of softness. And I thank you, Lord, for bringing him to us. I thank you for his pastoral heart. And I thank you for Bron's strength and support for the work that he does. And Father, as I speak your words, I pray that you will give me clarity. I pray that you will slow my speech, that I don't race ahead. And that, Lord, that at the end of today, that we will all leave here knowing that we have truly met with the living God. Amen. Okay, here goes. <laughs> so, just before his death, Jacob the patriarch, who, whose name is, is Israel, and that name Israel is going to become the name of the nation that will develop from his children, the people of God. So Jacob the patriarch gives his final testament, focusing on the destinies of his 12 sons. 
And since God has appeared to Jacob from time to time across his lifespan, he has the authority to describe the character of each tribe in regard to its future, its future settlement in the promised land. And what I found interesting as I was preparing this message, and what I found interesting is that as we read the description of each of the son's actions, and um, Valerie read them for us, the thing that struck me is that nothing they have done precludes them from the purposes of God for their future lives. And that simply tells me that there's hope for each and every one of us. For one thing, Jacob's words are a revelation of human character and human conduct. And it's also a great revelation of God's divine purposes. And there's something significant in the calling of the 12 sons together as the precursor to the formation of the people of Israel. Three of the sons have learned, well, they will learn, that their past conduct is going to cost them their future inheritance. And as Joel has shared with us at the beginning of this series, they have reaped what they have sown. And Jacob's words are prophetic as well, and they would have been a great encouragement to the descendants during that difficult time of suffering in Egypt. It would have been a great encouragement for them in their unhappy years of wandering through the wilderness. And here in that passage, in this moment, as Jacob calls his sons around him, he assures each one of them of their future place in the promised land. And that means a great deal. And the other thing that struck me is that I imagine that as Jacob is there lying on his deathbed, addressing his sons in the appropriate birth order, that there's going to be a touch of disappointment in his heart. And let's face it, what father amongst us, what parent amongst us, has never been disappointed by the choices and actions of their sons and daughters. I know my poor father was more than disappointed on more than one occasion. Trust me. I can see him shaking his head now. And you know you're in trouble when you get Vincent. That wasn't clever, was it? And, you know, even more than that, we find Jacob's last words to be a wonderful and marvellous revelation of the gracious God who cared for his servant for so many years. It's a revelation of the Messiah, the one who had been promised to Jacob's people. And in the words of Jacob throughout those blessings as he gives them, we meet deliverance, the mighty one, the shepherd, the stone, the almighty and all of those point to our Saviour, Jesus Christ. There's something about this today. My heart is just racing. I don't think I'm going to do anything, but I'm all right. But, but what, I, what I thought, too, I think we need to step back a bit and just have a look at this chapter in the context of the whole Genesis story. Chapters 1 to 11, as we know, deal with the creation and the fall. And chapters 12 through to 50 give the story of the call of God's people, beginning with Abraham and here, and hopefully next week, ending with Joseph. 
And as Joel has been sharing with us as he began this series, we've followed the story of Joseph. We've seen his mistreatment by his brothers, his steadfast faith in God, no matter what his circumstances. We see the fulfilment of God's promises through Joseph's life. And now in chapter 49, this scene reminds us of family time as Jacob senses that his life is almost done. So he calls the family around him and he begins to impart a final piece of wisdom as he discharges his earthly duty for the last time. But what we also see is how Jacob is actually building a bridge from the patriarchal model of leadership, a model that said that it was only the patriarchs who heard directly from God. He's shifting from that to the 12 tribes coming together as the people of God on equal footing, as the nation of Israel. The people of God, as they begin their next, uh, the next stage of their journey, which gets taken up in the book of Exodus. So, surprise, surprise. This is where my wrestling spot was. What's the true link for us in 2015 when you hear the words of Genesis chapter 49, 1 to 28? How do I connect Jacob's words of blessings to his 12 sons with your life and with mine? And it's not a rare problem. You've heard me preach before and I always try, as does Joel, we try to bring God's word into our context, into 2015. So hopefully at the end, I'll have done that for you. But you have to be the judge. You can let me know if I was successful or not. <laughs> I see Graham Wilkins with a card and a score on... Of, So what do we do? I mean, do we really spend a, a whole amount of time or you know, another half an hour looking at the individual blessings or, or curses, if you happen to be Reuben and Simeon and Levi? Because that's what most of the commentators do. They give us a verse-by-verse -verse description of Jacob's words that he gives to his son. You get a glimpse of the disappointment that I spoke about earlier. Reuben's in strife for defiling his father's bed. Simeon and Levi are denounced as violent and there might be some who feel that that was justified. Judah is compared to a lion with strong words of encouragement that the rule will not pass from his house. And Zebulun seems headed for a life by the sea. It's pretty good, eh? <laughs> and what about poor old Issachar? A raw-boned donkey lying between two saddlebags, as some versions say. <laughs> Gee, thanks, Dad. <laughs> mm. But you get the idea, don't you? Mixed blessings from their father, Jacob, and yet still remaining part of God's greater plan for the nation of Israel. And you know what? That's grace in action. God's grace in action. And of course, as we read those verses, as we heard them read for us, we see that the greatest blessing was reserved for Joseph himself. He received the longest blessing because Jacob chose him to receive the blessing of the firstborn. And when I read that statement,
from the, uh, the commentators. My mind went back to chapter 37. When Joseph was in strife for revealing his dreams to his, his brothers and to his father. And they were upset. And yet in verse 11 of chapter 37, it tells us Jacob kept the matter in mind. So did he have, did Jacob have a sense that there was a kernel of truth in what Joseph was saying? Maybe, maybe Jacob really did have a strong sense that God was actually up to something here regarding the future of Israel. I don't know, something for you to think about, something for you to chew the fat over in your Bible study groups. You know, maybe Jacob really had a strong sense from God that he was up to something. And I wonder, I wonder too, for those parents among us, if we have had those moments when our children have said something that was so outrageous, so outlandish, and yet there's that moment of inner knowing when you sort of went, hmm, maybe they're onto something here. Now the concept of blessings being handed down from father to son is nothing new. It's not a new phenomenon in the Old Testament. There's a whole, there's a, a number of father figures, if you like, starting with Adam as the father of the human race to Abraham and so on. And yet, again, I wonder, I wonder whether Jacob's mind went back to his own father, Isaac, as he gave out the blessings to his 12 sons. You know, was the act of giving the best blessing to Joseph, was that Jacob's way of atoning for the time when he took Esau's blessing by default? Who knows? But you know, I actually want to leave Jacob's story there just for a moment. And I want to try to bring us into where we are today, Father's Day. And to do that, I've gone back to actually chapter 27 of Genesis, where Isaac does bless Jacob, albeit through his deception. You see, Jacob knew the value of his father's blessing. And I'm guessing that his sons also knew the value of the tradition as well. So today, I want to look briefly at four ingredients from the blessings of, um, from the blessing from Isaac to Jacob that as parents, I think are today just as applicable for us, whether we be father or mother. And you'll find them in chapter 27 of Genesis through uh, verses 11 through to 29. And I'll let you read those yourself in your own quiet time. But the first thing that I noticed about Isaac's blessing to Jacob, there was a sense of meaningful touch there in chapter 27, verse 21. And it's not an isolated incident in Scripture either. Almost every blessing that was bestowed in the Hebrew culture involved a touch or a kiss or an embrace of some sort, something that conveyed love and acceptance. And then jump forward to the Gospels in Mark chapter 10 where you see Jesus taking the little children upon his knee as he blesses them. Because Jesus knew that children need to be loved and accepted. And think of the father in the parable of the prodigal son. Think about his extravagant show of love that he did for his son. Now Jacob was 40 years old when Isaac touched and kissed him to convey that blessing. 
So it doesn't matter what age we are. A hug, a kiss, an embrace are so important as fathers to communicate our love and acceptance to our children. The second thing is that there was a spoken message of love and acceptance. Now again, I'm pretty certain that my children wouldn't be happy with a statement like, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field. (laughs) Although they have smelt like that, I can tell you. But it was appropriate back then. It was a compliment. It was a positive message. It wasn't for my son. But it was a positive message that communicated the father's love. The field reminded Jacob of all that was important to him. And it reminded him him of how God had blessed him throughout his life. And dads, I don't know, maybe as fathers today we tend to let the spoken encouragement slide as we get a bit older. Maybe we're too quick to criticise or or remind our kids of their mistakes. But our sons and our daughters need to hear those encouraging words. Don't leave it to the last minute like Jacob and Isaac. Spoken message of love and acceptance. The third thing for me is the assurance of their value as a human being their value in the eyes of God. 27 verse 28, May God give you of heaven's due. Now Isaac is telling his son, you are special. You are special, so God will give you the very best that he has to give. And to simply bring that into our time, our Heavenly Father says to us, you are so valuable to me, I will send my one and only son to die for you. Our Heavenly Father lavishes his love upon us. And dads and mums, we need to do that for our children. We need to assure them of their value, their place in our hearts and in God's heart. And then there's a picture of a glorious future. And here, Isaac is is helping Jacob to raise his sights to see that his future is bright. And that's an important responsibility for us as parents. Proverbs 22.6 tells us, train a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. At least that's what we hope in our hearts, but sometimes life can take them in different directions. But you and I, as fathers, as mothers... We are able to help our children find their place in this world, to find their place in this church, to discover who they are and why they have been made so special by God. These are the elements that hold a family together. And to me, this is the essence of Father's Day, not just to celebrate what it is that I do. These are the essence, the things that hold the elements of a family together. Meaningful touch, a spoken message, assurance of their value and a picture of a glorious future. Friends, you and I, over our time that Joel has been begun this series and this morning, we've, we've had a brief snapshot of just the events leading up to the end of Jacob's life. Did he have regrets? Probably. Did he have disappointments? 
certainly. Did he die knowing that God's hand of blessing was upon his children? Yes, I think so. And we are coming to the end of our journey with Joseph. And we've witnessed the passing of the patriarch Jacob who calls his sons around him and he blesses them. We've drawn some lessons from Isaac as to how as fathers we can invest strength and encouragement to our sons and daughters. And this morning, my friends, on Father's Day 2015, I offer you an invitation from our Heavenly Father. And the invitation is simply to come to him. Come as he reaches down to touch us, to speak to us, to tell us how valuable we are and for all of us to see the glorious future that we have in him. A value that is sometimes so incomprehensible. A value that says again, for God so loved this world that he sent his one and only son to die for us. That is the investment he makes for each and every one of us today, yesterday and forever. Amen. Thank you so much, Vince. We're so blessed to have such uh, fine preachers in our congregation. We're going to continue worshipping our Lord by bringing our tithes and offerings. And uh, Jesus, when he taught his disciples how to pray, uh, one of the phrases in the Lord's Prayer is, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I invite you to stand and uh, join with me in, in our final song, Let Your Kingdom Come, and let's sing this together as a prayer, joining with God's heart that His kingdom would come on earth. Your glorious cause, O God, engages our hearts. May Jesus Christ be known wherever we are. We ask not for ourselves, but for your renown. The cross has saved us, so we
Whatever the 